So this evening's reading is Psalm 23, and hopefully the word should come up on the screen for you. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Grace. Um, so I, we're going to welcome Bishop Paul as he comes to preach to us this evening. Um, so Bishop Paul, will you come? I was asking Bishop Paul whether he wanted lectern or table, and he asked for a bit of both. So this is what I've done with that advice. I hope it's satisfactory. I don't know, actually. I said, why don't we try both? <laughs> so thank you. Bishop Paul's my boss. I'm incredibly nervous. No, that's it. <laughs> but it's wonderful to have you with us, Bishop Paul, to come and confirm these candidates. And so would you, would you join me as I pray for Bishop Paul as he comes to preach to us this evening? Father, I thank you for the gift that Bishop Paul is to us. I thank you for his faithfulness to your word and his commitment to speaking it out and to to seeing your kingdom come, to speaking it with you and to seeing that be creative in bringing your kingdom and driving back the kingdom of darkness. And I pray tonight that you would open our ears to hear the words that he's prepared. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would inhabit his speech, and that it would be sharper than a double-edged sword, that it would cut to the heart of us, and that it, would, that it would teach us your way. Come, Holy Spirit, and rest on him this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Mark. And it's, I've been so looking forward to um, this evening and being here at Trinity, and um, having been here for this first part of this, uh, this evening, even more excited um, by tonight. I, it's been great. I've met with the candidates who have been confirmed this evening. We kind of met um, briefly before the service. They kind of shared with me in advance some of their story, the journey of faith that brings them to tonight. Um, and uh, it's been lovely to, uh, to look at and see some familiar faces uh, amongst you this evening and also uh, others um, who I look forward to meeting uh, after the, the service this evening. Um, as you know, I'm Bishop Paul. I uh, work uh, in the Diocese of Sutherland, Nottingham. So Trinity Church is, is part of a family of church, a network of churches stretching across the city and all across the county and a little bit of South Yorkshire. If I miss that out, I usually someone comes up to me and says, you forgot the little bit of South Yorkshire. Um, there are a few churches just up in the very north of the diocese. 320 churches in total, um, local churches, 
uh, like Trinity, that are seeking to serve the purposes of God together. Some are really small churches, some are large churches, some are churches that are struggling um, and, and yet really committed to continuing to serve God in their, their community. Others are, are in the process of just experiencing renewal and being revitalized, being given a fresh vision to serve God where they are. Um, and one of those churches includes um, Dan and Wilford. Some of you all know George and Kate, um, who with a, a little group from Trinity have gone to be part of a, a new season of work there. And it is an amazing gift to, uh, to be a bishop in the church. And, and, and one of the things that bishops do, the, the word bishop simply means overseer, kind of watching over and one of the primary things that a bishop is there to do is to watch over what God is doing, um, like a watchman um, in the Bible, just to notice what God is doing and then, and then try and get involved and, and draw people into that um, and be a part of that. And, um, and if you, may, you might be thinking, well, 320 churches, that sounds a lot of communities. And I should have mentioned there are 70 eight schools, church schools that are part of the diocese as well and was serving in hospitals and, and in prisons and, and, in, and in other places. Um, it's an amazing God at work, the, the church on fire, communities alive. That's uh, the, the vision for Trinity is something we pray for uh, all the churches um, across this diocese. And um, I'm glad to report because it might sound as though that might appear a little bit exhausting and a bit of a big job I'm not doing that on my own um, helping to to oversee and one of the lovely things I was just sort of glancing around tonight actually some of the people who who help and are part of that are here tonight um, and you've already heard uh, uh, Bishop Andy who, uh, we work together as bishops in the diocese uh, Andy's here the director of discipleship and ministry in the diocese is here tonight Richard is here I noticed that the uh, we have an archdeacon here tonight um, if you don't know what an archdeacon does, go and talk to Tours afterwards. Tours is one of two archdeacons in the diocese. We're working together. Colin is here. He he's, was a, uh, the vicar of a church in Toton, the other side of, uh, of Nottingham. And, and about 18 months ago, he thought he was going to retire, but no one retires from serving the Lord. And he very graciously, very graciously agreed to be the area dean. That's helping to oversee and support churches locally, as he does in Nottingham. And, uh, and then there's David, who is the principal of St. Melitus East Midlands, who's here tonight. And they're training and equipping people to serve God. And some of you are uh, here this evening are part of that. And who have I missed out? I mean, it's just, I was looking around thinking, what a great, just to remind, we're not on our own. When God calls us to something that looks bigger than we could possibly imagine, he never calls us on our own. Uh, it may sometimes feel like we're on our own. And, and, and we can sometimes feel intensely lonely. Um, but that, that's not the case. God always puts people with us, ahead of us sometimes, uh, and draws people into it. Um, and for those of you being confirmed tonight, I know that your journey, your story of faith up to this moment, it's not just been about you. There are people who've prayed for you. There's people who've loved you. Some of them are here this evening. There's people who've encouraged you, people who've not given up on you, people who've, who've helped you to, to come to know the living God. Um, and some of them are no longer here. Some of them are with the Lord now. Um, and... Uh, and as you make the commitment that you make here tonight, and as we pray for you, um, I, I really believe that, that God would want you to know that you do not step into the future alone. Whatever it may hold, I don't know what it will hold for each one of you. 
But I, I know, so we, someone prayed earlier about the wild fire of the Holy Spirit. I know that following Christ is the wildest adventure that anyone could enter into. Um, it will be an extraordinary uh, adventure, as you already know, but you will not be on your own. Um, and uh, how amazing that um, you get a sort of sense of that tonight as we're all gathered here around you. And we will be. Um, we're going to be... A confirmation is essentially a prayer. Um, it kind of sounds maybe quite a formal thing to do. <clears throat> Sometimes confirmations services in the Church of England, they can be quite formal, they can be quite relaxed, uh, like this as well. It's the same service. We're asking the same prayer. We're asking God, by his Holy Spirit, to come afresh on those who are committing themselves to the Lord. That they might be people who've very recently made the decision to follow Christ. They may be people who made that decision gradually over a period of time or at some point in the past, but they're wanting to say here and now in front of the people of God, this commitment, this, uh, this decision to follow Jesus is something I want to make uh, before God's family and I want to receive afresh the gift of of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to do in just a short while tonight. We're going to pray for each of these people to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit, to be confirmed. The word means to make strong. Um, and, and I'm not going to be confirming any of you tonight because it's the Holy Spirit who does that. I'm going to pray, confirm, O Lord, each one of you, that God will make you strong, um, that you'll know his presence with you in your life tonight. And going forward from here um, and, and ready for those fresh things that God has for you, each of you, um, things he wants to show you about himself, his love for you, things he's prepared in advance for you to do. We're going to pray that you will know that he makes you strong. Um, and uh, the, the reading that, um, that we had, thank you uh, for, for reading that, Psalm 23, is probably one of the most famous passages in, in the whole of the Bible. Psalm 23, if you ask someone what they might know from the Bible, then maybe there one or two things they might come up with. Uh, perhaps uh, as a result of being at a special occasion, maybe a wedding or a funeral, something uh, that, that's brought them into contact with this psalm. It's one of 150 songs in the Old Testament um, that many of you all know. It's called the Psalms, the songs. They're really prayers. And this is like the hymn book of the church. Um, for centuries, this is how we can learn to pray. And Psalm 23 is the most famous of those prayers. Um, it means sometimes we, we might know it so well, some of us, that we kind of almost jump over it. Um, but it's famous for a reason. That's why people go back to Psalm 23 over and over again. And I want to commend it to you tonight, not least because the opening verse of, of Psalm 23 is the simplest statement of what the 11 of you are doing this evening. The, the psalm simply opens, David, King David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Five words. That's it. That's what tonight's about. I mean, you're saying, I'm, we're going to use a few more words than that um, in, in a short while, but you are saying tonight in your conference, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And frankly, you haven't got to do anything more than that. None of us do. When we set out on the adventure of following Christ, it is simply um, about saying, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Um, and I want you to be my shepherd. 
The Lord is my shepherd. And remember, these are not words that David just sort of created, invented. He was inspired by the Spirit of God to write these words from his own experience of knowing God. And he gave it as a gift uh, to, to the people then, the people of God then, and to the people of God for centuries. It's a gift to us tonight from the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is giving us the words that we can use to express very simply what it means to follow Christ. The Lord is my shepherd. But what kind of shepherd is he? Well, that takes us right into the New Testament and to what Jesus said about his own shepherding of those who would come to him. John chapter 10 is a beautiful um, chapter from uh, the gospel, the fourth gospel, uh, where John talk, uh, Jesus talks about what it means for him to be a shepherd. Because there are all sorts of shepherds, all sorts of people uh, who offer guidance and direction and leadership in life in all kinds of spheres. And some of those people will have had influence on your lives and on mine, some for good and some for, for not such good things. But what Jesus says in, in John's gospel, chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, what David understands is this is a shepherd who knows him. Just as Jesus said, I know my sheep. There's some words, you won't all get to hear this because we're going to be worshipping quietly and I begin to pray for those being confirmed. But the first thing I say to, to all those being confirmed is that God has called you by name and has made you his own. And that, those are words drenched in, in the Bible. Um, and I haven't got time to take you to all the places that, are, that assure us of that promise. But God knows your name. I, I mean, we're usually, most of us, we're quite impressed when somebody learns our name. We're very thankful, and, 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 and it's very embarrassing sometimes when you forget someone's name, isn't it? But when, when God says, I know your name, he isn't just saying, I know what you're called. In, in Scripture, the name means so much more than that. It means, I know you. I know you completely. Uh, so God says to each of you, being confirmed tonight, I know you by name, and you are mine. You're mine. Such a beautiful thing uh, that God would speak uh, into your lives tonight. Um, and that means that there's nothing about your life that God doesn't know. You haven't got to worry about, sort of, well, uh, does God know about how much I've struggled with these questions and these doubts and the fears and the things in my past that, uh, that I find it hard to move on from? And I know God's forgiven me, but I, I seem to go back to those places over and again. Um, does God really know? And if he does know, can he really love me? Well, the, the truth of the gospel, the, the good news of this good shepherd is that he has called you by name and he has made you his own. You belong to him. And there is nothing in your past or present or future that could ever, ever separate you from his love. His love for you is inexhaustible. Um, so what, do we, what does David then tell us about this shepherd? Um, 
the, the rest of the psalm is, is just amazing. Um, uh, line by line, um, it, it sets out for us the, all the things that you can expect of the good shepherd who loves you. You're going to make some promises tonight, those of you being confirmed. But actually tonight really isn't so much about your promises, but God's promises. God's promise to you. You just bring yourself to him. Say, Lord, you're my shepherd. And then he really will do the rest. He will be your shepherd. You can trust the shepherd. What does David, just quickly, just a few things, just to cast our eye over this very familiar psalm. Um, Because the shepherd, Jesus knows what we need. He knows what you need. First of all, contentment. To be really content. The Lord is my shepherd, David says, I shall not want. I shall not want. Most of us know there there's can be a chronic sort of lack of contentment that can get woven into our lives um, very easily. It can spill over in all sorts of ways into, into our lives. It can spill over into marriages and into family relationships and workplaces. It can spill over at times even into churches. And a lack of contentment is often closely associated with unrequited desires, desires that have not been met, perhaps never been met, or hopes that were, have never been fulfilled. And um, I think in our prayers, beautifully this evening, we were reminded, um, uh, was it Naomi led us in our prayers? Yeah, just that ver- wonderful words from St. Augustine, a, a follower of Christ about 1,600 years ago, who said that our hearts are are restless until they find their rest in God. There's a deeper down contentment that comes from knowing the shepherd. Um, There there are many things we know that we need in life, um, just basic human needs, and God understands that. It's not that he's saying, David is thinking, I don't need anything. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, I am content knowing that you are with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will trust God to meet my needs. Um, Not always in the way that I'd expect or in the timing always that I might want, but I'm trusting him. And there's a deep contentment that comes from knowing that we can trust the shepherd who knows us so well, so completely, he knows what we need. And then that leads on to another thing, that, a great thing that the shepherd brings you, the promise of God is rest. Rest. Um, David carries on. He makes me down, this, uh, lie down. This shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Um, contentment and rest very often go together. Um, and, but let's be clear, this doesn't just include, um, there's danger sometimes we get overly spiritual about, about it at this point. This isn't, this isn't just the spiritual rest. It is also rest for our bodies. God knows we need rest for our bodies. And that because God has designed us that our bodies and our, our, our souls and our hearts and our minds and our emotions, they're all interwoven. God knows how we need rest on every level. And this shepherd who knows you wants to lead you into that rest. You haven't got to kind of go, well, how do I find it? If you put your trust in him, he will lead you into the place of rest. Um, Rest is so important. 
rest to our bodies, our souls, uh, all that we are. Then refreshment. And sometimes that flows out of rest, being refreshed. David said, the shepherd refreshes my soul. Um, I don't those of you, some here tonight, maybe just say, I, I really need that refreshment for my soul. Maybe when Amy was praying earlier about that, this, that picture of, of that pure, clear water, um, sort of almost filtered water. Um, now, it may well be that, like me at that point, on a very hot, warm evening, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I really need some pure, clear water. But actually, we'll also that sense of thirst in our souls. Um, and sometimes that thirst will be very acute, very intense. There are times in our lives when we just know it and we sense it. But actually, we also learn, I think, over time, to suppress that thirst, to try and ignore it, to try and keep going. Now, you know what happens to your bodies if you just keep going when you're really thirsty on a very hot day. It's not going to be good for your bodies. You try and ignore it. Um, and it's the same for our souls. The same God made our body and our soul. And the, the, the good news is that the shepherd understands that. The good shepherd is the one who refreshes our souls. So this isn't even something you've got to do for yourself. You just need to bring yourself to him, the one who will always refresh your soul. Um, we can trust him to do that. And then guidance. David says, he leads me, he guides me. Now, just remember at this point, this is King David. This is one of the most phenomenal leaders in human history. He was an extraordinary leader, um, an extraordinary political leader, military leader, a leader of arts and, and music and worship. Um, he was a phenomenal leader on so many levels, and yet... The most famous words of David, notice, here they are. David isn't talking about his leadership, but God's leadership. He says, he leads me. He leads me. He guides me. And all of us need that. God's leading and his guiding on our lives. Maybe there are things at the moment where you, you, you just know that you need God's guiding hand. There's a decision maybe that you've got to make. Uh, and it's a difficult one. Um, well, we know that God wants to guide us. Sometimes he'll guide us as we, we read the scriptures, as we sit down with, with a Christian friend and we talk with them and ask them to pray for us. And, uh, but God loves to guide us. And, and, and he doesn't just guide us by sort of, as it were, giving us the information that we need. He does it in relationship. He delights in us. Um, just yesterday evening, um, I, I, uh, on, I think it was Wednesday night, I went to an event in... Um, in the Malt Cross in the, in the centre of Nottingham um, that was being, it was a celebration of 150 years of, of the YMCA working with really vulnerable young adults across the city. They've been working in Nottingham for 150 years doing some amazing work below the radar um, with really vulnerable um, younger adults. And uh, it was a great event, great celebration, but I got talking to um, uh, this person called Michael who um, told me that he worked in a national role for the RSPB. And, um, and I was just fascinating as he was just talking about his work and he was asking me about what the church was doing um, to respond to sort of environmental um, challenges and, uh, and, and saying how much he, he'd love just to sort of 
be working more closely with us. Um, and he, he lives um, across, um, uh, not that far from Newark, um, quite close to um, an RSPB centre called uh, Low F Langford Lowfields. Um, and it's an amazing centre that he was part of the regeneration of that centre starting back in 2007. He now works in a national, he's responsible for, for land across um, the RSPB nationally. Um, and he said to me at the end, he said, if you want to come over sometime and have a, have a look, I'll, I'll take you around. Um, and I, I said, that would be fantastic. But actually what I was really thinking is, Sarah, my wife, would love that. Um, she was a young ornithologist, um, and she got teased a lot when she was a teenager about being a young ornithologist, mainly by um, <laughs> sisters. But the fact is, um, having been married to her for 25 years, I know so much more about birds than I could ever have possibly imagined. Um, and, uh, and I've learned to love them. Uh, and, and to love noticing things. And I thought, oh my goodness, Sarah would absolutely love this. So I sent him a message the very next day and said, love to follow up on your offer. And he said, that's great. Just tell me when you can come. I said, how about Saturday? Um, he said, that's fine. That would be great. Um, and uh, so we went over last night and, and we, we walked down this long path um, towards uh, this uh, this extraordinary bird reserve that I, I had no idea it was there. And, and when we got there, I just, I saw Sarah just kind of light up. It was like, oh my goodness. Um, and uh, he explained there were 200 species of bird on this reserve. Um, and, and then he just took us around it for about two hours. And uh, it was like having the most extraordinary guide. He Every time we heard something, we may not be able to see it, but he told tell us exactly what that was. And he was delighting in it. And he was delighting in us, delighting in it. Um, and he knew so much. And he, he was passionate about it. And as he took us around, we realized he'd been there before it even existed. <laughs> um, this was just a, the beginnings of a quarry. But every time they quarried more uh, out, of, out of the quarry, they they gradually turned more and more of it into a, a nature reserve. And he was the architect of this. So he was actually taking us around. I said to him, this is kind of a bit like someone, because this, this had already taken, whatever, 15 years, just getting to this point, someone just taking you around something that they've had a part in creating. And he said, well, it's another 30 years ahead, this project. So it's going to take another 30 years to complete. Um, but he wasn't tiring at all. Uh, and I just had a sense as I was reading Psalm 23 again this afternoon, thinking, isn't this how God guides us and leads us? It isn't just, I'm going to give you the information, I'm going to tell you what that, that, that bird is, I'm going to help you to make that decision. I'm going to tell you where, where to avoid going down that particular path. No, he delights in his creation. He delights in us. He draws us into the joy that he has over us and over his world and over what he has prepared in advance for each of us to do. Um, that's what it means when David says, he guides me, he leads me, he's with me. Um, he also gives us courage. Because he knows that the journey he's leading us on is not a journey that is going to be easy every step of the way. In fact, he knows that it's going to contain many challenges 
maybe many temptations. And so David can then say, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. For you are with me. Um, You often only find out how courageous you really are when you face your worst fears or your greatest challenges. It's kind of, you you find out about courage when you're really being tested. Um, I know some of you are kind of being literally tested at the moment because you're right in the middle of exams. And that, that requires sort of courage just to sort of keep focused and keep going and pray for God's blessing on you in that. But there's, there's also like the courage when, as some of us have experienced, when you fail an exam, it doesn't go as well as you wanted. Or, or when you fail in an interview. Or maybe when you get a medical prognosis that you weren't expecting. Or you realize you've made a mistake and it's going to take some time to sort it out and sort it through. Or maybe you feel abandoned by someone who you trusted in, who was close to you. Or you feel betrayed by someone. These are the moments when we're really tested, when we find out about courage. And courage, somebody once pointed out, is about being wholehearted. In fact, the word cur comes from the French word, which describes the heart. It's about the heart, about being wholehearted. And we know what happens when we become two-hearted. It's very similar to being double-minded. Um, it's very difficult to, to kind of keep going in difficult times, in dark places, when actually we're just torn apart inside. And the shepherd understands that. And he says, I'm going to be with you. And I know that for those of you being confirmed tonight, I wish I could say that as we pray for you and as you receive the fresh anointing of the Spirit tonight, it's all going to be, that. just the way ahead is just going to be amazing. It's just going to be beautiful views all the way spiritually. But it won't be. I know it won't be. I know there will be challenges. Jesus said um, to his disciples, he said, um, in this world, in this life, you will have trouble. And then he went on to say, but take heart, take heart. I have overcome the world, and I am with you. And so there will be challenges ahead. There will be days where you need uh, just to to take hold of your heart, to be wholehearted, and to know that God is with you, and he'll help you to get through it. And he'll do that because he's not only present, but he's got all the resources you need. And I love that moment where, uh, and it must have been a picture in, in David's mind at this moment, but he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because it's often in those times, God knows it's not just that he's going to go, well, look, come on, get over it. It's hard. Life is hard. I didn't tell you that following me would be easy. So come on, just man up or be brave or come on, just keep going. But that's not what God does. God says, I will be with you to comfort you. I will comfort you. And that's what we need in those times, isn't it? And we need his comfort. Um, and his comfort comes sometimes in surprising ways. He says, I'm going to have my rod and my staff, and they're going to comfort you. Um, now, Bible commentators sort of wonder quite what the rod and the staff represent in this psalm. There are various ideas about that. But the, the rod was a kind of type of cudgel that would be worn on a shepherd's belt. And it was mainly for defense against wild animals attacking the sheep. And then the staff was used, uh, much more like my 
bishop staff that I've got here today, that was more used for guiding, controlling, keeping the sheep on track and occasionally being used to get them out of trouble. Um, So the one who walks with us through the darkness, full of hidden dangers, is fully equipped to deal with the enemies that we may face and to keep us from wandering off the track. Um, And that, again, we can just relax. We can find rest for ourselves. We haven't got to do this ourselves. What a comfort. And then finally, companionship. The the shepherd who goes with us, the shepherd in whom David trusted, um, is a shepherd who wants us to know him personally, to keep growing in this relationship. Um, David says, you are with me. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Companionship. Um, Most of us know when we've taken on a big challenge in life, uh, the one thing that helps us to face it and to get through it is companionship. Um, The word, again, comes from the word to break bread. People who share a meal with us, who walk with us, who keep going with us. And some of you have got friends like that. Some of you are friends like that to others. It is the most extraordinary gift that you give to someone that we can receive from someone. Uh, But God says, I want to be your companion in the journey. I, I will be with you. The picture, there is a picture of God eating. Um, In fact, the psalm talks about spreading a table um, and not spreading a feast we can share with God, with the shepherd. And not just when everything's good. Actually, David says, you spread a table in the presence of my enemies. I'm not going to invite my enemies to join me at the table. We never have to do that. But God says, "I, I will... I will create a feast for you, even when things are hard, even when you think things are against you. And you can be confident that God's goodness and mercy will go, will follow you all the days of your life. So that's what we're going to pray for those of you being confirmed tonight. Um, But all you need to do, all you need to do is say, Lord, here I am. The Lord is my shepherd. That's your part. All the rest is with the shepherd.